grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, said Mary. And indeed, they have called her blessed, though certainly not all people and in all generations. It's a great shame in Christian history that our Savior's dear mother has been perpetually caught in a tug of war over her role and her status in the church. That's not Mary's fault, of course. It wasn't Mary that elevated herself to a figure who draws such a cult-like devotion from some that for some of her admirers often goes beyond the love and the faithfulness they show to the fruit of her womb, Jesus. It wasn't Mary who sought out an elaborate and unbiblical theology that would require that her own life be free of original sin by a legendary immaculate conception in the womb of her own mother. And it certainly wasn't Mary who claimed for herself as some have a role in the redemption of humanity that belongs to Christ Jesus alone. On account of some of these errors, though, and for many other reasons, dear Mary has for centuries been both worshipped and vilified from opposing points of view. While many have embraced and enhanced her role in God's plan of salvation well beyond that of the Holy Scriptures in which they teach us, the backlash against Mary by those who reject such errors has often been filled with anger and venom, sometimes even in our Lutheran tradition. Christians who would never even think to question the role of Abraham or Moses or David and the fact that they were instruments of God in His plan of salvation will sometimes scoff and recoil from seeing Mary in her rightful and true role as God's chosen earthly mother for His eternally begotten, once incarnate Son. Yet Mary is an essential part of the salvation story. Essential not because God had no option on account of some quality in her, but to choose her as the vessel of Christ's birth, but because He chose her just as He has chosen us, apart from any merit or any deserving quality. You see, apart from Jesus' righteousness, Mary was as sinful as you or I. Perhaps not as evil or you as I, if we're going to put a rating scale on sin and tally up our scores on the basis of frequency and severity, but sinful nevertheless. Apart from Jesus, Mary was as doomed to eternity in hell as you or I. Perhaps the Holy Spirit revealed to Mary that when the angel Gabriel spoke in her ear and the Word of God became flesh in the hearing of, her, of His words, Perhaps that understanding and that inspiration led to her magnificent eloquence in the Magnificat, that beautiful song of praise and thanksgiving that Luke records for us today in the Gospel reading. For centuries, and even yet today, we Christians have joined in singing those same beautiful words in evening prayer and in other settings of the liturgy. If we look closely at those lovely words of confidence and hope, we can't help but marvel at Mary's faith. Would it be that we might express daily such trust and joy in the Lord's work for us and in us? 
for the change God has made in you by placing the Holy Spirit in your rebellious heart and in your darkened soul is a far, far more significant thing than the physical changes that Mary experienced in having the body of Jesus placed within her virgin womb. Even so, let us not fall victim to the temptation to downplay the importance of Mary's instrumentality in bringing through Jesus the Holy Spirit to grant you faith and to save your miserable self from the torments of hell. For without both a fleshly and a divine Savior, incarnate by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, you would be having to justify yourself before God's throne of judgment. Knowing even a sliver of evil that I've done in thought, word, and deed over the course of my lifetime, that's a prospect at which I shudder in fear and dread. How about you? Are you ready to go it alone without Mary's Son standing between you and God's holy, righteous judgment and wrath? Today we observe the Feast of St. Mary, Mother of our Lord. Not because of what Mary has done for us by her own initiative, but because of what God has done for us through Mary, as through countless others in the progression of the salvation story. Through Mary as through Noah or Joseph or Moses or David or all the rest, God has given us rescue. God has given us hope. Through Mary's child, God has given us Himself. In Mary, as in no other person before or since, God is with His people. Not in an art crafted with human hands. Not in storing up miraculous provided food, earthly food to save us from physical starvation. Not in a burning bush. Not in a pillar of cloud or fire. Not even with a slingshot to fell an enemy of flesh and bone. In Mary, God does not come riding to us on a chariot throne or seated between the cherubim. In Mary, the old ways of God's coming and God's rescue have now passed away and new things have come. The God who in former times brought forth Adam from Eve's flesh now brings forth the new Adam growing within the flesh of a new Eve, Mary. We might paraphrase the words of our first earthly father, the old Adam, in describing how we have the new Adam, Jesus, coming to us. This one is now bone of our bones and flesh of our flesh. He shall be called man because he was taken out of woman. Indeed, in Mary, not only has God come to His people, He has married them, not in a bush or a cloud or atop a throne, but within a virgin. And we confess with our forefathers that this does not place by conversion of the Godhead into flesh, but by the taking on of manhood into God. In the incarnation and birth of Jesus, the eternal true reality has now assumed the image of His crowning offspring. The Creator has partaken of creation. God has become man. O oh, sing to the Lord a new song, O people, for Yahweh comes to you. A woman, a woman is pregnant with the Lord. But Mary is not the only one pregnant, is she? 
Elizabeth, her relative, carries a child as well. Within her once hopeless barren womb is the six-month-old, soon-to-be-born prophet of the Most High. Elizabeth and Zechariah's child will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. John's ministry will be patterned after Elijah's, who in turn was patterned after Moses. So when John opens his mouth to proclaim that word of the Lord, you hear the sound of a prophetic choir. Moses, Samuel, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and all the rest. They come together in eternal harmony. They crowd together into the pulpit of John's mouth to proclaim that which they and which all true prophets have always told and always pointed toward. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Agnus Dei, that canticle that we sing so quickly and often so thoughtlessly as we shift in our seats, are the words of proclamation telling you that salvation is at hand. While the elders and the ushers are coming forward to receive the flesh and blood of Mary's Son, you are singing the distilled pure truth of the wholeness of the prophetic hymnody summed up in John's words, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But before John preaches God's message, before he baptizes his first repentant sinner, before he is even born, Jesus comes to him within the person of Mary. In the presence of his eternal yet unborn Lord and Savior, John is filled with the Holy Spirit. He leaps in his mother's womb, joyful at being called and ordained while yet in utero. The baptizer enters his office while he is still living in the water of the womb. In the coming together of these two pregnant women, we see the coming together of the old and the new Israel. Elizabeth, in her old age, her former barrenness, her priestly husband Zechariah, and her prophetic son John. She is an icon of the old and the aging Israel. By contrast, Mary, youthful, virgin, yet growing and ripening with the fruit of her divine Son, is an icon of the new and everlasting Israel. As Abraham's wife, Sarah was the alpha mother of the old Israel. Even so, Elizabeth is the omega mother. Elizabeth carries the last of the Old Testament prophets. The curtain is about to close on that drama, soon to be torn asunder by the God-man who will burst forth and tear down the temple veil and the barricade between God and man. Rebellious Israel, wandering since the days of Abraham, dwelling apart so often from their promised homes, being far-flung in Egypt, in the wilderness, in Assyria and in Babylon and elsewhere, they would finally reach their destination. They will stand once more on the banks of the Jordan River, and there will stand John the Baptist, shepherding them through the waters to rest and pointing them to the promised land of the Messiah's holy flesh. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Because of all this, the infant prophet leaps for joy, and well he should, and well should we as well. For if seas roar and if rivers clap their hands, if the mountains and the hills sing together, and the mouths of infants and nursing babes, and yet even unborn prophets shout for joy, 
how much more should we? For Mary's song is the song of all the redeemed as she chants, The Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is His name. The Mighty One has indeed done great things for Mary, for Elizabeth, for John, and for you. For you who sprint blindly down the paths of selfishness, the Mighty One has left His heel bare for the venomous fangs of the ancient serpent. For you with sharp tongues whose careless and hurtful words slice friend and foe alike, He is the silent Lamb who not only goes quietly before His shearers, but willingly offers His throat to the, to the bloodletting sacrificial blade. For you who gulp down great volumes of iniquity, who fill your unquenchable thirst for shallow pleasures, He is the deep and vast sea who swallows up all your enemies. For you who hunger and thirst for unrighteousness, He is the land flowing with milk and honey. The divine judge has become your human substitute. He has done great things for you, even as you continue to do great things against Him. Therefore, repent and rejoice, dear Christians. Let newborn babes and aging codgers leap for joy. Join David in dancing before the new Ark of the Covenant. Rejoice and ponder the mystery of your God growing within the Virgin. Let all the sons of Adam and all the daughters of Eve remove their sandals before the burning bush of Mary's womb. Behind the pregnant veil of her flesh is the new Ark of the Covenant, an ark not of acacia wood and gold, but of skin-covered human bone. That ark is not filled with the tablets of the law, but with the flesh and blood of the gospel. It contains not a jar of manna and Aaron's budding staff, but the manna come down from heaven and the tree of life for you. God is with His people, for He has done the greatest of things by becoming one of us in the person of Jesus Christ born of the Virgin Mary. For this, your spirit rejoices in God your Savior. Your, your soul magnifies the Lord. And beyond the end of all generations, you too will be called blessed. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.